the service and, and continue those conversations afterwards. I'd love to invite Jody up to speak with us now. Um, I might, yeah, yeah, come, come, come. I might ask her a couple of questions maybe just to get her started. We'll test she's working first. Am so I? Then we'll, yeah, I she is. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, great. Lovely. I'm going to just pop you, Yeah, you yeah. go for that. Yep. So, I guess the first question is, you have been around Mitcham for a while, yeah. but you didn't grow up at Mitcham. Where, like, what's your church background or how did that come to be or... Um, yes, well, I actually grew up at Sindel Baptist, and then I started dating the lovely Chris McCartney, who I then married, um, and so, yeah, he, he grew up here, and we spent, yeah, a number of years here as well. Yeah. yeah. I remember that, and you probably don't remember. Yeah, you were little. Girls Brigade, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah excellent. Um, and you played basketball. Yes. Any other in extra interests that we need to know about? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a plant addict at the moment. That's, yes. that's become my thing. Yeah. Anyone who steps into my home, it's a bit of a jungle. <laughs> Heather can testify. Is that like paying homage to like where you've come from um, over the last few years? Or maybe. maybe. I think it's just a, yeah, I've just grown this love for, yeah. for plants. Yeah. So if anything, no need to know about plants. Jody is apparently oh. the person to go, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not. I kill plants that yeah. are inside, so don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so when you weren't at Mitcham, there was a big chunk where you weren't actually in Australia. What's that about? Yeah, we, um, so we moved over to Bangkok in 2007 and spent 14 years there living in Klong Toi community, which is a uh, squatter settlement or a slum. Um, the estimates are about 100,000 people in less than two square kilometres. So really high density um, and lots of issues of poverty that are were experienced daily there, so yeah. we spent our lives And lots there. of amazing stories as well yeah. from you guys that we've heard over the years, so yeah. I'm sure there is many more that we haven't heard. Yeah. Um, Jodie will also be coming to our next women's event on the 17th of June, I think yeah. is where we decided. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear more of those stories, um, she'll be sharing with us there as well, but go for it. We'd love to hear from you today Thank as you. well. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, and I just want to say a, a really special thank you to the tech team because you guys are amazing. I, um, I, I'm, I think I'm, my mind's a bit like back when, in the day when church started at 10 here, which I don't know how many years it's been. Heather, has it been a while? It's been a while. So I was blissfully at home just getting the girls ready, thinking, yeah, we'll get to church half an hour early so that the tech team can do the things. And Heather calls up and goes, are you coming? <laughs> And I said, yeah. She goes, it's already started. And I went, oh. So I'm glad most of you probably weren't aware of that. But we're here and the tech team have sorted out all of my issues, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, this morning, I just wanted to share a little bit about um, being partners in mission and what does it mean to be partners. Um, I think we underestimate the gift and the power of partnership because it is such a, a big part of what we do in mission. Uh, back in 2013, I had taken a group of girls along with some uh, local leaders and we'd gone across the river. So our community, hang on, I need to turn this on, don't I? Our community had, oh, look at that. Our community is, that's a, this is a shot from um, the sky. And 
as you can imagine, there's not a lot of interesting things for kids to do. The density is the living kind of on top of each other. So any opportunity we had to take children and kids who were part of our kids' clubs out of the slum was is to help break the boredom, help give them an opportunity to dream bigger than the, the walls of the slum. And this one particular weekend, we'd organised to go across this, the river to this really beautiful oasis of green. And the, the girls were... We were canoeing and bike riding and cooking and watching movies and having a great time. And little did I know that that little oasis would become more than just a, an escape for the, for the night but it would become an oasis and a place of safety as our community burned. A lot of you were at an event together that night and you would have been getting messages saying, please pray for Chris and Jodie and their community because it's on fire. And many of you were sending us messages to say we're praying. Chris was home with uh, two of our girls and he, he recounts saying that he just he couldn't believe the intensity of the inferno. You can imagine if one house burns in that kind of proximity when it's made of really old timber um, and most houses use gas bottles to cook, as soon as one house burns and then there's an explosion, it's not long before the surrounding homes are on fire. Chris uh, describes this was taken... Our, our, our community was just under the freeway, and so it actually created access for um, firefighters to use their little measly hoses to try and douse the flames. One of the things that struck Chris was as he ran back into the house, after he got our girls, he, took, he ran the girls out because the flames were already only probably 30 metres from our house. And he, he took the girls out and he, he took them to the safety of, of a friend's car who was, you know, who had come to check on us. And he ran back inside thinking, I better get our important documents. I better get some just important things. And he noticed a few other people running into our house before him. And he thought, oh my goodness, people are like going to loot our house. And as he kind of stepped in the house behind them, they said, Chris, what do you want us to save? They'd come to help take out anything that he thought. And Chris said, don't worry about it. There's nothing here that can't be replaced. We, you know, I just need our passports. That's probably all I need. And as he stopped and kind of surveyed the chaos, because there were people everywhere, hundreds of people, he noticed something that was really quite profound. That people who had history of, uh, you know, family issues and where there was hatred and there was, um, there was always violence and there was always some sort of attack and retribution and they were, they'd put aside their differences and they were helping each other. They were coming alongside each other with carrying buckets of water to try and help put out the flames. People who were, who were known for their um, kind of, you know, standover tactics and violence were helping the elderly get out of their homes. Young guys who were usually kind of not really with it because they were high on drugs were helping uh, families get out of their homes and carrying their goods to safety so that they wouldn't have to replace their few earthly possessions. People came together in ways that I've never seen and Chris was marvelled 
He could not believe that they were brought together. It was a terrible thing that brought them together, but it, it showed the beauty of working together, that we're better together. It's a beautiful picture of partnership. There was a common goal and a common vision that they wanted everyone to be safe. And, you know, we lost about uh, 50 homes, plus I don't know how many more dozens were, were damaged by the fire. So 50 families lost their homes, and yet not one person died in that fire because everyone drew, to, drew together. You know, partnership is... Um, we often think of partnership in different ways. And I, I did a quick Google search, on a, a Google thesaurus search on partnership, and I thought, I wonder what it spits out. It, it gave me synonyms like companionship, friendship, community, cooperation, allies and collaborators, encouragers, people who come alongside, people who walk the road together. Anyone who's had the privilege of being married um, for many years understands what partnership means. And for those who have lost partners, understand the depth of that loss because you've lost someone who has been by your side through thick and thin. There's a beautiful uh, passage that I think um, depicts uh, this, this idea of partnership and I, I'd love us to read it together. I don't know if that's too small, but I'm going to read it anyway. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum and word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Some religious scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves, He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, Why are you so sceptical? Which is simpler, to say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or say, get up, take your stretcher and start walking? Well, just so it's clear that I am the Son of Man and authorised to do either or both, he looked now at the paraplegic, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And the man did it. Got up, grabbed his stretcher and walked out, with everyone there watching him. They rubbed their eyes, stunned, and then praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful story of partnership, isn't it? That these friends who knew they'd heard that the healer was in town, and they knew that this might be the only chance that their friend might actually be able to walk again. And they held this hope in their hearts and they were desperate for him to encounter the healer so that he might be able to walk. And then when they got there, they, after carrying him, they couldn't get in. But they didn't give up. And together they created a hole in the roof and lowered the man down. 
Partnership is not something we can do alone. The, the very word means we have to do it with others. We partner with others. But I think firstly, I believe that actually what we're called to do is to partner with God. Jesus was in the town and he was there. He was, he was preaching the word, but he was also healing the sick, bringing sight to the blind. And only through those men bringing that paraplegic could they partner together with God so that he could encounter that healing and be made whole. Many years ago, um, we one of our um, weekly rhythms in, in our community was visiting people who were sick and visiting the elderly and the isolated. And on one particular day, um, we, had, we had been kind of struck by the the rain, and Chris, in his wisdom, walked underneath the, um, the freeway because it acted as a bit of a shelter from the torrential rain. And as he walked along, uh, a man who was clearly influenced under the influence of alcohol or other substances stumbled out in front of Chris. And he said to Chris, you need to come and visit someone. I have someone for you to visit. Now, Chris had no, didn't know this man, and this man didn't know what Chris and, and his um, teammate were doing. He didn't know that they were actually looking for people to visit that day. So Chris and Rod kind of looked at each other and said, OK, well, maybe we can follow this guy. Um, so they followed this guy as he stumbled and he... He slurred his speech and, he, and they kind of thought, oh, who, you know, where's he taking us? And as they got to the home of this little, this little shack and the man just pointed in there and said, in there. And as they opened the door, there on the floor was an elderly man in nothing but his uh, an adult diaper, a nappy. And the stench hit Chris and Rod as they opened the door. And as this man lay unconscious on the dirt floor, they, they kind of looked around the room to think, well, what, what's going on? And all that was in the room was a, a, a wooden bench, which was often used as beds. And in the other corner, a wheelchair. There was no food, there was no water, there were no taps, there was nothing. So Chris and Rod... At the best that they could, they lifted the man and they put him onto the, the, the wooden bench. And clearly seeing the state of him and he was covered in his own excrement, realised he needed to be washed and cared for. With nothing in the home, they, they returned back to, to our house as we had, me and one of my neighbours, um, had gone out visiting people, but because of the rain, we'd, we'd retreated to the house uh, just to pray for our community. We gathered up clothes. Chris gave me some of his clothes and we, we grabbed a bucket and soap and we filled it with water and we, and we made our way back to this man's home. Isn't it interesting that God chose to use the most unlikely people to invite us to partner with him? We're often invited into spaces 
but we have to have eyes and ears to hear that invitation to partner with God. As we continued down to the, uh, got to the home of this um, elderly man, uh, we, we, me and Oi, who's a, a Thai woman, began to wash and care for this man. And as we, we washed his hands and as we washed his body and we, we changed his diaper, um, it revealed deep, deep bed sores and the wounds in his, um, in his back. You know, I could fit my fist into them. And so we began to dress those wounds and we began to care for him. And as we did so, he became, he became conscious again. And as we started to have conversation with him, he, he couldn't say very much, but he, he began to smile. And as we were, you know, kind of finishing and we'd, we'd managed to get a T-shirt on him, Oi said to me, Jody, can I please, can I wash his feet? And I looked down at his feet and I thought, well, they're not even dirty. He, he clearly hasn't walked in probably years. And, you know, I think... And then I, I looked at her and it struck me what she was asking. The story of Jesus when he washes his disciples' feet makes so much more sense when you're in a context that understands the filth and the dirt of, of a context like a slum. In Thai culture, your feet are considered dirty and unholy and, and they truly are filthy. When you walk through, when, when torrential rain, like we had regularly, it would be mud and all kinds of filth that you would wade through each day. And your feet truly were filthy. But there's also another significant part. If you offer to wash somebody's feet, you're actually offering them dignity and worth and actually saying to that person, you are so worthy. I see you. You are not forgotten. You are loved. And as Oi washed this uncle's feet, it wasn't lost on either of them. And as tears filled Oi's eyes, tears streamed down the face of this uncle who had been forgotten and abandoned and left to die alone. Isn't God amazing that he chooses to invite us to partner with him in bringing healing and love and wholeness into the broken? I think we're invited to partner with God, but we're also invited to partner with each other. Just like the, the paraplegic who was brought to Jesus that he couldn't have gone there without the work of these four other friends. Those four other friends together carried him. And just like Lung, who we cared for, we couldn't have done that alone. We needed the partners. We needed to do that with each other. As I cared for him in one way, Oi offered him restoration in a whole other way that I could not have done. And we could not have done that without the partnership of people like people at Mitcham 
who partnered with us and supported us for many, many years. We're, in, we're invited to partner together. Partnership is coming alongside. Sometimes that means through praying. Sometimes that's through friendship, through mutuality, through giving, through using our expertise, through using our gifts or talents, through prayer, through passions and interests. I, I love the words in... Um, Oh, this is just a, a photo of Second Chance. The, the work of Second Chance, that, the, which I haven't really spoken about this morning, but uh, that's one of the projects that we, we started. We couldn't have done that without the prayers, without the financial giving of many people. And we couldn't have done it without each other. We needed each other. The words in uh, Philippians of Paul, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, sometimes in mission, when you're sitting here in cold, dreary Melbourne, you can kind of think your, your $50 is not doing a lot. Or you might forget that the impact of your prayers is actually changing lives. But friends, without partners, people in mission cannot do what they do. And finally, I, I'm convinced that God invites us into partnerships that are marked by love. You know, uh, this uncle, as he, we, after we were able to dress him and, and we, we put him into the wheelchair that was in the room, and we, we asked him, we said, oh, what would you like? And he said, well, I'd like to sit outside. So we wheeled him just outside and, and we said, we promised that we would return. The beautiful thing about being, being part of a community and working with each other as God invites us into partnerships with each other is that as we went back to Second Chance, the whole team, as we told them the story, the whole, every single person said, well, I've got this at home. Or I, I, could, I could go there, this, I could make him some dinner and I could take it over tonight. And very quickly, we'd, within the space of a few minutes, everyone had offered what they could bring. Everyone wanted to show this man that he was loved. Chris, later that afternoon, uh, went down to, to visit and just to check on, on Uncle. And as he arrived in the community, he, there was a crowd gathered and he, he didn't know what was going on and so he, he kind of stepped around and, and found a gap and, and made his way to the front. And there sitting amongst the crowd was this uncle on his wheelchair. And in his hand was a half-eaten um, cake and next to him was a half-drunk half uh, little juice. And he had died. It was as if he'd taken his last communion and been invited 
into the arms of Jesus. He, for the first time perhaps in his life, had experienced and encountered Jesus through the love that had been poured out into his life in his dying moments. You know, we can't underestimate the gift of love and the power and the transformation that love can bring. And the way that we love one another is a signpost to the kingdom as well. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You know, this morning I, I just want to encourage and say thank you to Mitchum. Thank you for your incredible partnership in the gospel as we have served in Thailand and as we continue to serve the team from afar. I want to thank you for the way that you've partnered with God in your faithfulness as a community of believers in Mitcham and for the ways that you have shown deep love to the people in our community, even those you've never met by the way that you've loved us. I don't know what God might be inviting you into this morning, into a new kind of partnership. Maybe he's inviting you to partner with him in new ways. Maybe there's a ministry that's part of Mitchum that he's inviting you to partner with him and with others in that space. Perhaps he's inviting you to pray. Perhaps he's inviting you to invite that family that you know is struggling Invite them over for a meal. What is God inviting you? How is God inviting you to partner with him this morning? I I think I've shared this story before, but I think it's a beautiful picture of, of what God hopes, what God wants to bring into our communities. One, one, uh, of our kids' club activities, as I said earlier, giving the kids an opportunity to get out of the community, to get out of the confines of the slum, was really important for those kids to dream beyond those walls. This one particular, um, one particular morning, we were in a, in a park, <clears throat> and we were with one of our young people, and she was blind. Now, she had been born blind as a result of a failed abortion because her mother didn't want her. When she was born, she was dumped with a grandparent who reluctantly raised her. And she was told daily that she was a burden and she was unwanted. So she would come along to our kids' club activities and delight in whatever we did. And we would, this particular day, we took the kids bike riding and we were riding through this beautiful park on the other side of Bangkok. The kids were having a ball. And of course, she couldn't ride because she couldn't see where she was going. So she would sit on the back of our bikes and hold on, and she would just squeal in delight at the thrill of the wind going through her hair. We, we would stop and have a lunch together and feed the kids. And a lot of the kids would go off running and climbing trees and and kind of playing sort of hide-and-seek in the, in the park. 
And we notice that this young girl, Dian, she couldn't play with them. And Chris grabbed her by the hand one, one particular day and said, Dan, come, come and run with me. And she, she was terrified because her whole world was, uh, at, as you remember that first image of just con- confined houses, and you couldn't run, you would run into something. And so he grabbed her by the hand and he said, Dan, come. And she, she was walking and she was kind of putting her hand out and holding his hand and kind of waiting to bump into something. And he said, Dan, there's nothing. And as she felt the grass under her feet and she listened to Chris's invitation to trust him, she began to slowly quicken her pace. And she, clinging to Chris, she started to run a bit faster until eventually Chris let go. And she ran with abandon and delight. And she put out her arms and she started spinning. And it's like the scene from The Sound of Music. You know, Julie Andrews up in the mountains as she spun and twirl and soaked in the freedom of being in that space. You know, when we partner with God and with each other and when we bring love into this world. That is the mission. That is the heartbeat of God, to bring love and freedom to the communities that just need his freedom. They need to know that they have been set free. And I just, I am so grateful for the partnership that has enabled us to share that love But what is Jesus inviting you into partnership with this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the people here at Mission Baptist, for the years of partnering with people in mission all over the globe. We know that your love, that your goodness has been taken into so many corners of this globe because of the faithfulness and the partnership in mission. I pray, God, as we go into this week that you would remind us of new ways that we might be able to partner with you, despite our age, despite our limitations, that you might invite us into new ways of partnership. Pray your blessing on Mitchum and in this community. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much.